I'm not sure why I bought this book. It's called Lament for a Son, and it's a fellow's reflections um, when he lost his son. It's a really good book, um, full of pain and full of hope. But this is from early on in the book. It's the neverness that is so painful. Never again to be here with us. Never to sit with us at the table. Never to travel with us. Never to laugh with us. Never to cry with us. Never to embrace us as he leaves for school. Never to see his brothers and sisters marry. All the rest of our lives we must live without him. Only our death can stop the pain of his death. A month, a year, five years, with that I could live, but not this forever. I step outdoors into the moist, mouldy fragrance of an early summer morning, and arm in arm with my enjoyment comes the realisation that never again will he smell this. Job 7, 9-10, as a cloud vanishes and is gone, so he who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come to his house again. His place will know him no more. One of the things that I feel least equipped to do as a minister when I feel most out of my depth is when I'm called to the bed of someone who's just died. And the family is there and they're looking for you to say something that will bring comfort. But what do you say? If you've been in that situation, on either side, trying to find the right words to say, you'll know how inadequate you feel. Nothing can change what happened. No words can make up for the loss. And perhaps um, some of what we need to learn is um, to be quiet. But what do you say? When Jesus is about to die, he says some words of comfort to his disciples. And the remarkable thing about these words is that they are words of real comfort to people who are about to to lose a friend. And they're not just words of comfort for his disciples. Jesus has real words of real comfort for us. Do you have troubles on your heart today? Any anxieties? Any worries? Any grief? Any stress? Well, Jesus has for you this morning words that if you're willing to hear them, have the power to bring you real comfort. He says quite a few things in this chapter, but I want you to sit back if you can and just feel the weight of them all together. Let them speak to your heart. Look with me at John chapter 14 and verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now the first thing that Jesus does is point them to the future. Jesus tells his disciples that they have a place waiting for them in God's house. 
and they can be confident about it. Jesus tells his followers that they have a place waiting for them and they can be confident about it. This is not like the Connor family on holidays because for some reason, I'm not sure what it is, I don't like booking things. And so, for example, in July, we headed off to McLean. We left Dubbo a little later than we'd planned, thanks to me. We made it all the way to Mudgee before sundown, and so we decided to stop at Mudgee for the night. We pulled into a caravan park. It was the Mudgee Field Day. The caravan parks and cabins were booked out all the way to Golgong. Now, Jesus is saying here, if you're his follower, there's a place in heaven waiting for you. Your real home, in fact. The home that you've deeply been wanting, that you've been yearning for, it's waiting. There's no booking problems. There's many rooms. It's okay. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, not only is there a home waiting for followers of Jesus, ready, prepared. See, there's nothing worse, is there, that on holidays, arriving at your rented apartment that you've booked after a long day's drive, and when you arrive, you have to make the beds, and you have to unpack all the stuff out of the car, and the children are grizzling, and you go to have baths, but no one's turned the hot water on, and nothing's ready. There's nothing better than arriving and your place is ready. The beds are made, snacks on the table, the bath's ready to go, it's all ready. And Jesus says, in my father's house there are many rooms, if it were not so I would have told you, I am going to prepare a place for you. Jesus, by his death, is going to prepare a place in heaven for his disciples. Not only is there a place, not only has he prepared it, but in verse 3 he says that he's personally going to come back and take them to it. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. This is not just that Jesus would physically come back after his death and his resurrection, that he did do, but this is more. Jesus is offering to every one of his disciples that he will personally come and escort them to the Father's home. When we die or when Jesus returns, if we trust Jesus, he'll be there and he'll take us into the home of the Father. Last year I went to Bangladesh and it was quite nerve-wracking landing in a country where I knew nothing. I couldn't speak the language. I had no money. I heard lots of scary things about Bangladesh. So you can imagine it was comforting to have someone meet me in Sydney and they were flying over with me on the plane and they'd been to Bangladesh before. But as good as that was, it was even better when we arrived in Bangladesh There was a local Bangladesh fellow to meet us at the airport, help us get money out of the ATM, help us get a taxi and take us to the place where we were going, his place. Now when it comes to heaven, we don't need to worry about all the travel arrangements to the Father's house. 
when we die or when Jesus returns, if we trust him, Jesus will come and escort us. He's prepared a place. There's a room for you in it. And he'll come back to take you there. Don't worry about the future. Now, can you see the comfort in those promises? Or are you a bit like Thomas? Um, they just fly straight, straight past. He's not listening because he's too busy worrying about the present circumstances. Look at Thomas, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Well, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, the way is very clear. If you know Jesus, you can't get lost. Jesus is not saying, I'll show you the way, or I'm one of many ways. He's saying, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Now, those words, I am the way, in our over-tolerant age, often jar us, don't they? And they come as offensive. But they're actually words of comfort. Jesus is saying, if you trust me, it's all taken care of. I'm the way. Because as we saw last week, the way to eternal life is not by us doing things. What did Jesus say? Unless you let me wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is the way to the Father because by his death, he washes us and he makes us acceptable to the Father. He brings us into the very presence of God. That's the first comfort in this passage this morning. Jesus will get you there. Now the second word of comfort is a comfort about the Father. Because we all come with different ideas about God, don't we? And when we say, well, God is our Father, that means different things to everyone. For some people, Father means stern, harsh, angry not to be trusted. And so comfort and father's house, well, they don't go together. Other people think of God as, a, as distant, a long way off, like an absent father, always at work, never time for his family. A God you can't really ever get to know or understand. Some people think of God maybe more like a grandfather than a father, kind of like a Santa Claus, so we just come to God when we want something. And of course, he should give it to us. Or some of us think of God like a strict father. His prime concern is punishing us. And so we go through life trying not to get on the wrong side of God in case he gets angry at us. We all come with our views of what God is like. But what is the father really like? What is our Heavenly Father like? Can we know? Or are we left guessing? And we'll find out when we die. Listen to the words of comfort Jesus gives, verse 9. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
See, we know exactly what the Father is like because we know Jesus. Like Father, like Son. My father died when I was three and a half. And I've seen photos of him, but that's all. Until about a year ago, when my auntie found some old home movie footage of my father in black and white without any sound, playing around with some of his brothers and sisters uh, as an adult. And so for the first time last year, I saw my father. And he had an uncanny resemblance to me. Now, not just in his looks, in his mannerisms, the way he moved, his facial expressions, the way he, he joked around and teased people. He was like me, or I was like him, even though I never knew him. In fact, um, it's always puzzled me, but now I see why. When I first started shaving, Mum said, your dad Gary used to shave like that. Even though I never knew him, like father, like son. Now that has never been so true as with Jesus and his heavenly father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and the Father is in me. You want to know what God's like? Look at his Son. And we've seen what the Son is like. We've seen it all through John's Gospel. In fact, John told us about it right back in chapter 1, verse 14. He's full of grace and truth. And that's what Jesus has been like all through John's Gospel, full of grace, overflowing with grace. The Samaritan woman, the paralyzed man at the pool, the crowds with no lunch, Peter, who will deny him, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Jesus is full of grace, overflowing, full of compassion, and he's full of truth. No lies, no deceit. Every word that he speaks can be trusted, including these words this morning, speaking the Father's words. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father is everything that Jesus was, nothing less. In fact, even greater. The Father is so good that Jesus just can't wait to get to him. In fact, he's been looking forward to going back to his dad, and he says to his disciples, if you knew how much I wanted to be there, you'd be joyful for me. Look at verse 28. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. If you are a follower of Jesus, you will not be disappointed when you get to meet your heavenly Father. Don't let your hearts be troubled. My Father has a place for you, and my Father is good. You'll rejoice when you get to meet him. Well, they're the first two words of comfort, and in verse 15 we find... Jesus' final word of comfort, which is not a word about the future, but a word about the now. Verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus is saying, while we wait for that day, we're not alone. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And it's not just the Spirit that will come. Somehow, God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Spirit, are all coming to live in us. Verse 20. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Look at verse 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, do you see the comfort of that? The disciples are in the upper room and they are terrified. They've just heard that Jesus is leaving them. He's going to die. But they've also heard that one of them is going to betray him. And not only is one of his 12 closest friends going to betray him, another one of them is going to deny him. And then in the very next breath, literally the next verse after he predicts predicts Peter's denial, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Remarkable. He doesn't rescue them from the midst of their trials, but in the face of death and betrayal and denial, Jesus is asking his disciples to trust him. He wants them to be comforted. Now, not all of them will be comforted because Judas is not in the room. Judas has already left. There's no room in the Father's house for Judas. There's no room in the Father's house for anyone who rejects Jesus because Jesus is the way to the Father. There's no real lasting comfort apart from Jesus. But for followers of Jesus, Jesus speaks into our deepest fears. Can we trust his words? Well, yes, we can. Because everything he says in this passage came true. He was betrayed. He was denied. He was killed. And he did come back to life. And the risen Lord Jesus in John 19 three times repeats these words to his disciples. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. What troubles are on your heart this morning? Maybe like Thomas, you're unsure about the future. Life seems out of control. As you look back on your life, there's things that you wish weren't there, decisions that were bad ones. And as you look forward, there's a great unknown. Who knows what's around the corner? If you're scared of the future and you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Maybe you're full of doubts about God even wondering if he's there. Just wishing that he'd show himself to you. Say something to you. Give you a sign to keep you going. A sign that he still cares. Jesus says he's already given you the sign. You have a father who loves you deeply and he's shown it fully in his son Jesus. Now trust him. Don't let your hearts be troubled. 
Now, I'm not sure what your deepest fear is. I don't know what worries you the most. I'm sure it shapes who you are. I'm sure it changes how you act. I'm sure it shapes what you do. Whether it's the fear of being alone and abandoned, used up, neglected, the fear of not having what it takes, the fear of failing, fear of not being noticed, fear of being unloved because you think you've done something that makes you unlovable. Or maybe it's your worry about another person or other people. Into your inner world of chaos and turmoil, Jesus says, peace. Into the things that make you want to hide from him, into your guilt and fear, Jesus speaks, peace. No matter how upside down your world is, Jesus says, trust me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. 